welcome to the Reospec podcast with Noah, James, Tony, and Nate. Today, we're going to be discussing veganism and more broadly, the ethics of eating meat. Thank you, Noah. Um, as the, uh, the resident vegan for the show, um, I'll, uh, I'll kick us off. Um, first thing we need to do if we're going to talk about veganism, what is veganism? Um, do we all have like a, the same sort of working definition? Um, I'll say what I would sort of would just quantify as, and this is sort of where I personally um, differ from probably like 99% of vegans anyway, um, which we can sort of get into those specifics, but essentially it's just the, um, with all reasonable consideration, um, aiming to reduce uh, where possible uh, the suffering of animals and avoiding their products, whether you're consuming them by eating them, cooking them, um, or wearing them, or sitting on them, essentially. So we're all good with that sort of definition. Yeah, that's a good definition. Mm -hmm. I'm there with you. It, it differs and, slightly, though, from the formal definition, though, right? Formally, it would be the essentially the, like, the renunciation of the exploitation of animals in all forms. But, um, to, but it's, all, it's, it's also with the caveat of all, with, all, with all reasonable um, extent. So, for example, like a Jane might literally will like sweep the floor with a brush so that they don't stand on any bugs. Um, standing on a bug um, would not be considered non-vegan, um, even if you didn't go out of your way to not step on it. Um, but, you know, there's a minor detail. Um, so I guess as the, the, the vegan needs to defend the position, um, the main premise, I mean, there's, there's three um, major reasons why people go vegan. I think today we'll just, we can, a sort of health and environment might be like sort of um, sub arguments or sub reasons that we could get into. But I think the main thing we're interested in is the ethics of, of not only eating meat, but killing animals. Um, my reasoning, um, which is sort of the very standard sort of piercing of you, essentially is animals are sentient and capable of suffering um, within our moral worldview, unnecessarily inflicting suffering on sentient beings is morally wrong. Therefore, if it is not necessary, we should not do it. If eating meat and killing animals and essentially exploiting animals is unnecessary, it's therefore unethical to inflict suffering upon them. Uh, and in the most basic sense, that is the, uh, the reason uh, people are vegan and is, is also the reason why I am vegan. Um, I don't know, Nate, you have some, you've mentioned your distinctions between pain and suffering before, which I think we probably agree on. Uh, which is could be interesting to see if you think that negates the uh, suffering of animals. Um, so, do you want to see if, if there's if you agree with what I just said, or if there's any uh, any different opinions already? Yeah. So my specific position on this is that I don't have a problem with pain. 
um, in the sense that I, I don't have a philosophical problem with things like pain and death in the way that most people do or the way that the Western tradition does. Um, I see pain and death as just another form of signal that if you know, to, the, to the extent that we are part of larger systems, um, pain is what we interpret as negative signals to us personally. And then as difficult as it may be, um, things like death are signals to larger systems. And I don't really see those as, as removable or foreign. I think uh, a form of behavior in which you renounced all negative signals would actually be a long-term unhealthy and unbalanced um, way of way of looking at the world and the way of being in the world. And so within that paradigm, then my, my assertion is not that um, there's any particular ethical problem with, with exploiting animals, but more so that hmm, to use, to use them badly or to treat animals in a, I guess, uh, a harmful fashion, not harmful in the sense of that the personal, that the animal itself would die, but harmful in the sense that like a factory farm that creates um, certain tendencies towards like disease or possibly you know, genetic irregularities or things like, I believe mad cow disease is specifically a phenomena that tends to afflict um, factory farms. And so things like that would, uh, like an opposition to factory farms and things of that nature would tend to naturally flow from this position as well. So to that extent, we agree, but just- um, so you Do you not have a problem with animals suffering? Or are you arguing that they don't suffer, they just feel pain? I I do tend to draw a distinction between pain and suffering. So I would say like a an animal that is evolved to be a prey species can't really reasonably be considered as suffering if you hunt it and kill it, as opposed to you know something that you raise and keep in terrible conditions. And so what? how are we defining suffering then? Because I think that's a, a bit of a, are you saying because, essentially because it's living its evolutionary life of being a prey animal, it's therefore not suffering? Hmm. Because I don't know if that's a really a sensible definition. Yeah. I think if anything, suffering is something that I more apply um, to human level concerns. But in the case of an animal, yeah, my, my concern is almost always with the broader system. So if, well, let me put it this way. If an animal 
is in its evolved environment. Essentially like the equivalent of its ancestral environment. And it is engaging in its behaviors that it has evolved to engage in. I would not define anything that occurs in that state as, or I would not be inclined to define anything that incur, occurs in that state as inherently suffering. So even, even an animal that is miserable, I wouldn't necessarily consider it suffering because I would, it's living in a evolutionary equilibrium with its environment. Okay, and just to be clear, would you say that, would you apply that to humans as well as animals if they were, because that's, I don't know if maybe we need a different word than suffering for that, because it's- Yeah, so um, if-, and if I, I will also just add, it's, it's obviously not that. I, I would say that um, humans, um, and there's sort of a hierarchy of different animals to the different extents that they can suffer, um, you know, it's, and that's partly intelligence, partly, um relation like various things about the animal that will um make its ability to suffer greater or, or less like you know humans come at the top of that um i would put a cow ahead of an ant um i'd probably put a dolphin um, ahead of a cow um but is there is there something where you would say a human can suffer and you're just drawing the line of that because it's a human. If you, you're, the exact scenario you mentioned within its evolutionary environment, it wouldn't be considered suffering. If you put a human in its evolutionary environment, why would that be considered suffering um, for, the, for the animal it isn't? Yeah, I, I would tend and to- And like, what's the metric you're using? Yeah, so, The topic of suffering is interesting. I think it's, it's interesting because of how reliant humans are on culture. And so if you took a modern human from a, you know, from Western civilization and dropped them into an ancestral environment, I don't know. I don't know if they would suffer or not. Um, they definitely face a lot of hardship and they might be able to handle it, but in a lot of cases, they probably wouldn't. But people who were raised with the appropriate culture for that ancestral environment, um, it would be hard to describe them as suffering. One, one thing I find that's interesting in that regard is um, the various accounts of people on the, the frontier in the US you know, as Europeans were expanding across it, they would, they would just run away. They would run away from their little slice of Western civilization and go live with various native tribes. And some, sometimes this occurred through like battles and, and they were captives, but the problem soon became that it was very difficult to get them to come back. They didn't want to come back to Western civilization. And if it's a kid, you can understand, like if they've lived many years with an, <laughs> a native tribe and that's like, uh, that's all they know, that makes sense. But 
there are apparently many documented cases of grown adults who just said, you know what, I'm out <laughs> and left. And, and basically the, the argument that's been put forward is that because that is an, that, that form of life was an ancestral type of life with all the culture and all the elements that are needed to kind of press all the psychological buttons that humans evolved to have pressed, then people found that way more fulfilling than an agricultural existence or a semi-industrialist existence. Even though there was a lot of difficulty in it, and there's definitely pain, but I think you, you can speak of a specific kind of suffering that occurs when any creature is taken and put into an environment that is extremely foreign to its evolved um, psychology and physiology. Okay. Um, so, so, so go, go on now. I'll say so to, broad, to broadly, so hopefully summarize, um, Nate, it, is the concerned with what it sounds like the the signals relationship to a broader system and the pain and suffering that we see as individual humans is not the same as what the system is seeing and we need to pri like in prioritizing what the system or the um, the ecosystem is seeing is um more I don't want to say more important per se, but is very value is more valuable than a, a singular uh, the value system the the value judgment of the individual human. That's that's a great way to put it. Um, another okay. it would be to analogize it as the way that um, cells, particular cells in your body, often feel pain, or they they put out signals that equate to pain. Uh, but that can occur in the course of things that are very uh, wholesome and helpful. So things like fasting um, induces the killing off of cells that are less healthy. And there's, there can actually be uh, organ shrinkage um, and kind of a pruning of the body cells. Um, that, that is something that is unpleasant. It's, it's, a, it's an experience of pain and someone even say suffering. But it is okay. not one of the healthiest things that can occur for the larger organism. And so my, my claim is essentially that the same sort of pattern occurs on higher levels of abstraction. Okay. So James, can I ask you, I, I want to um, bring up an example from, um, I guess eco ecology might be the way, or botany, um, grasses like plains grasses specifically, and I'm talking about ones that are in the Great Plains in the United States, um, traditionally required grazing animals to um, eat them in order for them to grow effective root systems. Um, if they didn't graze them regularly, the root systems um, never fully matured, um, and the, like the soil would effectively um, erode over time, even though the plant would grow to maturity. Um, and this is because when the, um, the animal um, eats the, the leaves and the stems, 
it releases um, it's what's I don't know the specific name for it, but it's the equivalent of stress signals into the roots to grow down, take up more nutrients, and regrow the lost tissue. Um, however, if you overgraze, that doesn't happen, or that that's not able to happen because you take away too many of the too many of the leaves, and they're not able to regrow. Um, alternatively, if you don't graze it, the grasses grow too large. The soil um, is prone to um, heavy erosion by a significant event, um, significant uh, weather event of some kind, whether it's a drought or a massive rainstorm. So what level, is there an appropriate, so the analogy I'm trying to draw is, is there an appropriate level of stress? Because um, um, it seems to, to be put on the ecosystem to maintain it over the long term. So not that I know anything about grass um, and how that works. Um, but assuming that there had to be some sort of level of grazing, um, there's no reason you have to kill the animals. Mm-hmm. You can graze animals no. without killing them. No, exactly. I, I was trying to think. I was so I'm, I was thinking more um, more abstractly. I don't think I made the, the leap. I, I didn't communicate something there. Um, oh, okay, okay. Is there an appropriate level of stress to put on an animal in the same sense that there is an appropriate level of stress to put on the grass to maintain another component of okay, the ecosystem? Okay. For, so using certain animal products, but maybe not doing it so much that you're wiping something out. I mean, I, I, there's definitely a middle ground that's, that's better than what we've got now. Um, in, in, in reducing animal consumption. Um, and I, I just want to go back to that main thing first. Um, and then maybe we can get to that because it'll make more sense. Because okay. we're talking about ethics here. I don't know, we're talking about larger systems. Um, but do we agree, just so I can get where everyone stands ethically, um, that it is wrong to um, torture, harm, or murder, rape a human being. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes. I would. I would yeah. say all unnecessary. Yes. It's a big stretch. I, I, would, big stretch. I would say. I, 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 I think you could actually plant your flag on the statement that all unnecessary suffering is ultimately wrong. Okay, and you know, you might, yeah. you might say. Um, that you're a nihilist and you can't prove that and you, you know in the way we live our lives we do we all agree that that's um a pretty solid statement what tony said um yes um that does beg the question of establishing necessity and i don't mean that in the arbitrary like oh, what's re- you know what's really necessary come on in the nihilistic sense i mean that there is, um, like, be very careful and conservative when defining necessary pain. And yes, yeah, because I, I think there yeah. are goals that goals and growth that are undertaken, um, whether it's voluntarily or as a result of circumstances that are beyond human control, which will cause will cause harm. Um, and but that that's a very there's there's a lot of there's a lot that would go into that and it should be generally very conservative does that, does that make sense no no, no, um, no, no if no, i give an example 
No, I get that. And I, I, I completely right. agree with that. Um, um, go on, Nick. I don't use the phrase um, like necessary or unnecessary. I, I think because that, that implies um, an ethical need for minimization. And I don't think that's a healthy approach. Um, so saying, saying that uh, all unnecessary suffering is, should, should be avoided for ethical reasons. I think that's, that's mistaken because it, yeah, it, it implies that you should reduce it as much as possible. And I don't think that's true. Why, why do you not think that's true? It, well, it defaults to seeing it as bad. It says, it says that, you know, philosophically, it implies that it's, that suffer, that, let's not use the only, term. Only, only unnecessary suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say unnecessary pain, right? Just, just to be clear. No, no, we're not talking about pain, we're talking about suffering. Okay, well, we do need to settle on the, suffer, on the suffering topic of what is suffering versus pain? Very quickly, perhaps you would indulge me in a thought experiment. Would you say, because you're basically saying that, uh, that like we kind of need pain slash suffering because it's a useful signal for actually having a more meaningful ideal life. If you could, as is the case with some humans, with some living humans who simply see pain, anxiety, depression as nothing but useful signals and don't really experience them as suffering, merely as signals. Uh, If we could say chemically in the brain of a a sentient being separate the signal from the suffering, would you sort of in a very abstract sense say that that would be like, okay, and even good? Uh, yeah, that wouldn't be suffering. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm still trying to pin down what what exactly is meant by suffering here. Um, I I think the definition off the top of my head, pain is, um, and in an oversimplified way, is more of a sort of physiological response, a, like a, a stimulus feeling, um, a sensation of suffering evokes more of a an experiential sort of overview of a subject experience something um, in a psychological way of their well-being, um, either like causing them distress. It's an emotional state, um, not just a physical state. So pain, pain is a kind of one layer signal. Um, where it's primarily physiological, it's I broke my leg and it's pain. And then suffering yeah. engages another level of signal where we're in kind of the emotional, I'm going to say narrative section, where now you're telling a it's, story. Yeah, pain, pain. Pain, plus, pain plus narrative and your experience of that. It, it, it's in, pain is, in, is encompassed by it. Um, okay. So pain is nested within suffering. Yeah, and also what I want to say is it, it's, it's not that I, I don't see that there's pain and suffering is, is necessary to existence and to life and to... Uh, evolution and that even in with, with, within people's lives that pain and suffering can, can be a, either a good or a useful thing. It's that yep. when it comes to veganism that 
if you can live a diet, and we'll just speak to diet for now, obviously, leather chairs and all these things as well, where you have billions and billions of animals every day um, suffering immensely and being caused great pain in the equivalent if you saw someone abusing a dog. It's just as bad as that, or, or as, as worse, worse than that. If you don't have to partake in that, what is the justification of doing so? Now, some people's justification is you do need to partake in that because um, you can't be healthy and be vegan. Um, but if if you do agree that you, you you can be within like you know a reasonable extent live a healthy life as a vegan, the question is how do you justify that suffering? Um, and again, maybe we don't want to use the suffering as the right word, but we can even say abuse, if that's something we can agree is as a negative. Um, and then, you know, we can talk about the gradient of like, Nate seems like you agree that factory farming is abuse. Um, would you say that we should just ban factory farming? And factory farming is abhorrent. Because if we can agree there, maybe we can unpack why we would agree there and um, yeah. see if we can move it forward. I would say that things like getting rid of factory farming are lowered down on my priority list. I think there are much more important things. But going back to the, the thing of suffering and why I'm not... I don't feel particularly inclined to say that I would try and minimize suffering. Is it, I don't think it's, I don't think it's an end in itself. I think that the minimization of suffering or the minimization of uh, quote, unnecessary suffering is not a suitable end for a conscious being. It can be a byproduct, but it's not an end. And that that's probably the problem I have with it. Is it setting that as an ethical imperative is something I find to be inappropriate. It may naturally occur in the course of serving higher goals. There might be some reduction in seemingly unnecessary suffering, but I don't define the world and I don't think it's appropriate or right to make your decisions in the world from a perspective of judging something as suffering, then labeling it as necessary or unnecessary, then trying to minimize the unnecessary. I think that that procedurally is a, is a imbalanced well, way to pursue. I think if, if you live your life in that way, it would be a very dogmatic um, life. Um, and I'm not suggesting anyone does that. Um, it's that line is, you know, if you're going to build like a philosophy of your entire life would be insufficient. Um, but ultimately with veganism, we're talking about diet here um, or other things as well, but let's focus it on one, one thing. Um, so I know I keep going back to it, but when we... Let, let's let's take our hunting 
for now. Let's just talk about factory farming. Nate, do do animals suffer in factory farming? Or you can you can you can change the wording if you if you don't agree with it. It's quite a simple question, but if we don't want to use the word suffering. Yeah, I think animals experience pain and long sequences of pain in both their natural environment and in factory farms. However, just like with humans in an industrial or agrarian society versus humans in a ancestral environment, both, both involve pain, but the physiology and neurochemistry to respond to that pain in meaningful ways is present in the ancestral environment that is not necessarily present in the modern environment. And so, and, you know, it kind of extrapolating from what I said earlier about the, the um, accounts of, of people who would run off and, and join native tribes and not want to come back. I think you can, to some degree, assert from that, that that is indicative of a failure of modern human culture and like post-industrial life. And that that post-industrial life by being out of line with the evolutionary kind of preconditions or um, pre-programmed patterns that occur in physiology and psychology is indicative of some amount of suffering that modern people suffer in a sense that ancient peoples typically did not. And so I think you, you, it's appropriate to articulate a specific kind of pain, like extensive pain that is due to a mismatch between the organism and its environment. And I think there's no question that that sort of mismatch occurs within factory farms. And I think they are problematic for that exact reason. And I think the, the fact that there are potential um, health issues and environmental issues that, and ecosystem issues that kind of grow out of that is just a verification of, of the fact that systems that are dysregulated, you know, where the organism and the environment are, are out of sync um, are ultimately harmful systems. Okay. Let's, okay, so can I, can I jump in real quick? Mm -hmm. um, as Nate was talking, I'm thinking appropriateness would be the, the concept, or the, or the right word to describe this, that there is pain, but the appropriateness of that pain for the match between the animal and the environment that it's in um, is, is the issue. Because Nate's like, like, literally I hear um, you know, the, the cow out in the natural environment gets beaten by hailstorms. In, in the plains or in frigid and frigid blizzard weather up in the north um, northeast or again out on the US plains or I don't even want I don't even know what they face up in northern Canada um, so they experience like brutal weather um, but they've they've developed capacity to cope with this appropriately but within 
within a factory farm, the pain and suffering they feel is unfamiliar and alien and in in intense in that respect. Um, and it inhibits a, a lot of their natural, a lot of these natural behaviors. And we sent, and I'm going to now go off on my own here and say, I think we sent, we sense that. And, and we, we understand like if we were in that particular type of mismatch, we'd feel that in same level of, like there's something wrong with it. There's something wrong with that level of intensity and of unfamiliar and inhibitory um, just structuring of the, the environment that they're in. And that that's ethically wrong. And I would say that's the same reason that, um, that generally speaking, torture is considered unethical because typically, well, the torture of the type that is unequivocally bad and wrong is torture that serves no purpose, that cannot reasonably expect it to ever serve a purpose. That's just kind of a, a sadistic expression of power. Yeah. Versus let, me just, let me just quickly jump in on this. I think this is a great example to use. Um, and I think, I think one of the ways we can talk about the, the suffering, I think more directly, is if we can use a comparison like this with humans. Um, take the, the torture argument. You've got two scenarios. You've got scenario A and scenario B. You've got to pick which is better. Um, you have a, uh, a suspect who knows information and you need to require that information. Um, in option A, um, you can torture them to gain that information. Or option B is, um, if you go through a bunch of paperwork, you'll find the answer out to that information, which is the ethical option. What method of torture are we talking here? Um, you're gonna artific you're gonna artificially inseminate him. To start with, <laughs> um, it, you know, you can you can you can you can pick whatever you want. You can do. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm talking about relating it to animals here. So you can just do what happens to animals, or you can board them whatever you uh, whatever you prefer. Um, but it's scenario A. You're getting the same goal at the end of it, which would be your food um but in this we can talk about is the information that you're getting in option a you torture someone causing incredible suffering and option b you don't in in this specific instance which is preferable I mean, option b unless the no the, the only other thing would the question I would ask is, is it known that both options lead to the same outcome prior to choosing? Yeah. Then definitely be. Um, okay. Now, if it is true that you can live your dietary lifestyle in a healthy manner and one leads to the torture of animals and one doesn't, and you can just we can just talk about factory farming here for now, if we want to get into the specifics of, of hunting and stuff. Is it preferable 
to eat a diet of factory farming or to not eat a diet of factory farming. Yeah. Not talking about the system, not talking about the the mad cow disease, not talking about, um, I'm talking about the individual animals that suffer. Is it preferable for them to be tortured or for them to not be tortured? Yeah, all other things equal, you'd want them to not be tortured. Is the, Do we all agree with that? Because to me, that's so straightforward. Discomfort and torture should be separated. Or even pain and torture. Like I, you know. So. And also, and also I would say that the, the lower, the lower the animal, the more derated the effects are. Because, oh, yeah, we, yeah, that's, because that's of the fine. mechanism that, um, that, that that species uses to um, survey its, its evolutionary environment. They're all chimpanzees in this scenario. Let's pick an intelligent animal. Let's pick one that's a chimpanzee capable of suffering. Chimpanzees are maybe the most interesting one. Because no, let's, of, okay, of, let, no, let's pick let's pick gorillas because they're not carnivorous. <laughs> okay, because I was gonna say because of how naturally violent they are, and the fact that they engage in acts of brutality as part of their evolutionary existence, that that one yeah, is very. Thanks, gorillas. Hmm? I think James is trying to make a make a specific point within the context of um, yeah the ethical the ethical pattern of behavior. Um, rather um so but it's an interesting point isn't it the like the the way that we have to shift to a specific animal to pick to try and illustrate this no, no, i'm 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 doing that for you i i i don't think you need i i think that's the ridiculous thing i, I think picking it off whether the, the animal is a, is a prior product or not now they may they may differ in their suffering but i'm just doing it where picking an intelligent animal that suffers one scenario they're tortured and they suffer and the other scenario they don't and you get the same end product what is preferable see i don't like trolley problems and there's a good reason for it are you more worried about being about the specificity and granularity of the uh, example and then the extrapolation from it um, cause like conceptual, cause there's a conceptual angle and then there's the, if we interpret this in the full complexity of the world and systems angle. Um, um, yeah, I'm looking for, um, general kind of general theory because okay. general theory, if framed appropriately can be used to be, to make any number of decisions as opposed to a single kind of discretized, um, logical framing. And I would, I would say that this, my hesitance comes from my experience with philosophies like libertarianism, which is very much of this nature. It's very narrow and kind of discretized. And 
by having that narrowness and making a narrow argument like that, you end up extrapolating incorrect um, conclusions to the broader world. I'm gonna say inappropriate. I, I would say maybe inappropriate. Yeah, because they're probably correct within the context of the question. But I'm just I'm just trying to get an example. Yeah, where um, to get around this suffering debate? Um, because I think we're talking past each other on the suffering, and I, I sort of get what you're talking about. Um, there's a wider context to it. Um, And it's very difficult to talk about veganism if we can't agree on what suffering is and getting a working definition, which is why I'm bringing up the, the torture thing. Because you would agree that torture is suffering. Um, and even, even on like a more basic level, it's not talking about systems, but at least, it's at least first start on the individual level and then we can, we can, we can move up. So we all agree that take a dog, just a dog, to beat that dog to death violently for no reason other than your enjoyment is that unethical okay i don't want to misrepresent yeah. our friend nate here but i think i think it's like i think it's like suffering or pain are good insofar as they are useful signals when they no longer signal something useful they no longer become a good. So for example, like we want to, we want to help someone with generalized anxiety disorder because their anxiety is simply not a useful signal. And this is clear to everyone involved. So yeah, don't kick the dog. Yeah, I think. So, so would it be the, would be the, sorry, Nate, so would it be the, capacity like the the signal has to be interpreted as useful or not useful it, it has to communicate some information yeah. at all it has to give you some information if the only information it gives you is that right. like you know like you, is that like you have schizophrenia then it's like then it's not it's not useful it's not it's not well, Let's let's presume that because the factory farming is currently going on, it's communicating a and it's been effective to some respect. It's communicating a signal that's useful to a point. The question is, is like it, it, it's almost like you know monotonal music versus a symphony. You know, if in the symphony there's a ton of signals that are harmonizing and working together to create a beautiful piece of music and also essentially um, I would say functional in the sense of it, uh, it I'm not gonna God, the words that are coming to my head are terrible elevate your consciousness but really elevate your awareness of what's going on feeling alive uh, and then there's like just kind of basic um, like pop music or simple music um, which doesn't really do much besides ping um, certain pleasure centers or it's like very simple chords but what i'm trying to say is those are both examples of useful signals but one of them is like much more effective one of them they're different in how they're arranged together um factory farming to me is like the pop music 
it's functional in some very simple way, but there's, there's something wrong about, like wrong about it or like monotonal music, like just a metric, a very but simple what, metronome. What is the, because what I've heard say is in say in the factory farming scenario, what is the functional signal or useful signal for the animal? So there, there is, there, um, there isn't none, they wouldn't be incorporated. That's a, so, so that would, that would be that the, um, they're not integrated within the performance. I don't want to say performance, integrated within the act. They're treated as a, um, they're, they're treated, the relationship is different. Um, they're not incorporated in the, yeah, in the drama. They're not the treated as a subject. Yes. And my so, argument is they should be because they are sentient and they suffer. Okay. But, so well, if we're talking about the pain, that the pain doesn't have any use or have any well, function for them, how is it then justified? It can be justified among other things um, for serving the purpose of, of human civilization. I think that's, that's valid. It's not preferable to... Yeah, but we're talking about preferable here. Mm. That's what we're talking about. In, there's a scenario where, where, you know, you should eat, you should, you should kill a cow and, and eat it. I'm not like, you know, retarded. Like, you know, if I'm going to kill a cow and eat it if I need to. The point is you don't need to. It's preferable not to do it because you don't need to do it. So, so but, but of course you would agree that like some degree of you know, raw economic efficiency, some degree of just raw expediency warrants uh, an amount of sentient suffering. Of course, yeah. And, and but just, we don't live in that. We, 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 the point is in, in modern day society and the lives the four of us live, we are in a, a situation where we are picking what is preferable because it comes back to that word it's not necessary if it was if, if you're in a, a scenario where um you would we would need to do this in order to survive um then it would become justified but the point is that it's not and, um, and, and indeed the majority of uh meat and animal product consumption uh falls into this category of noah's uh of noah's pop music you know what i mean it's like um it's like you know a McFlurry, uh, which is a which is a which is an American delicacy, uh, James. Uh, we have them here as well. Oh, you have McFlurries as well. But yeah, so yeah, like like uh, like McFlurries are like very law or like very large portions uh, of meat. Like are like this is this is this is pop music. This is not you know this is not a symphony. You know, some dishes of meat. You know, if you go to Paris, perhaps some meat dishes are clearly symphonies and it's not just, you know, like a, a, a steak that is big only so that you can see if you can eat it or not, for example. Uh, yeah. We're not, but the symphony is not, we're not talking about taste here. Oh, I'm not denying so, that. It, you can't have uh, Okay, so yeah, so prag pragmatically speaking, I think uh, a good... I, I, well, can I say something real quick? It, with the symphonies, I'm not talking about taste or aesthetic necessarily. I'm talking about how broad the context involved is. 
I think that's probably the point I was trying to make with the metaphor. Um, for example, the um, a town that has like a harvest festival, like that's their excess. It's in sync or in concert or in harmony with with the um, behaviors and um, timing of both natural and cultural events. So that would be the kind of symphonic aspect of it. Um, if, that it's integrating things on multiple levels coherently. Um, not just the, um, not just the taste per se. Yeah, so a good illustration or a good um, example of my perspective in terms of actually living out is going to the grocery store and there's a whole variety of eggs present my when i'm looking at those eggs on the shelf i'm weighing on the one hand my nutrition and on the other hand um kind of the quality of the eggs the health of the animal the well-being of the animal um my personal preference you know budget budget allowing is to get the eggs that are um from the company that actually advertises like on the box, how many square feet per hen they have. And they're actually like free range in fields, you know, going around like pecking at bugs and stuff. Um, that's my preference because those chickens are living something close to um, kind of like an ancestral existence. Um, but, you know, if my budget were tighter, I would just buy the most, you know, the most cost-effective eggs for my nutrition because I don't rate a slight decrease in chicken living quality as as weighing more than my than the loss of my nutritional benefit. So, but what you just admitted there is that the. Um, but you talk, are you talking about the nutritional benefits the same in that scenario? You're talking about money. I, mean, I, know, I know the, the ones um, that are of lesser quality, but will be um, of a it, water, It's more likely the free range. They'll have more micronutrients, but the macronutrients, you know, um, are roughly equivalent. Yeah. Um, but what you've said is that if budget allows, you would rather pick the, the more ethical option. Yeah. And I think that for, for, for eggs, that looks one. But why do you pick that? But why do you pick that? If budget allows. To take money out of it for now, why are you picking that option? Because it's a better quality of it, life for the head. It's better nutritionally for me. And also, the chickens are in an environment closer to what they're evolutionarily adapted for. So it's better for the chickens locally and the ecosystem broadly like the across the layers of of ecosystem and society and everything it's the optimal outcome and i don't i don't think like i don't factor in things like suffering into that because i think suffering as a, a in the way that it's often culturally performed is a, is a poor metric so on a similar example but they would illustrate my point a bit better it would be with cows my ideal outcome with cows 
is not to avoid eating beef, but rather to have grass-fed, grass-finished beef that, you know, where the cow lived a full and healthy life, and now I eat it. <laughs> um, I'm totally okay with that. That would be, and, my, and, I've, and I've looked into things like um, making it economical by doing things like getting a deep freeze and buying like a quarter cow or a half a cow at a time to make the cost, you know, reasonable for, for someone in my position. I'm totally okay with that. And, and you clearly care about the quality of life of the animal. Hmm? Sorry, go, Tony. Mm -hmm. No, what, what, what were you going to say, James? I just said Nate clearly cares about the quality of life of the animal. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I wanna, not I for the animal's sake, necessarily. And because with, and it becomes a little bit more tricky because with domesticated species, um, they all, they are, they, their natural environment, their ancestral environment is already a relationship with humans. You know, I, I shared with you a very uh, a very touching poem called "Lost Horses," where these uh, these whites came onto the American plain, and they released a bunch of domesticated horses, or maybe there were horses just got out. And these horses actually don't want to be wild horses anymore. It's too late for that now. The horses, they are already work horses. They already want to you know, be sled dogs, sort of, you know, it's like if you, anyway, anyway, and this is kind of tangential, I think it's interesting, but, but, uh, but it, 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 it further complicates this matter of how best to, uh, to, to give animals uh, a, di a, a dignified existence. Yeah. And I, I, I think that, um, for example, a well-raised cow, like my, my uncle owns or has owned in the past, um, uh, basically a micro farm where he does, you know, fully organic grass fed, grass finished beef. Um, and I, I don't find that to be an ethical issue at all. I, th I think that's a perfectly dignified existence that this, this animal, you know, lived its life that we, we preserve and propagate that species and they live something very close to uh, an evolutionarily um, adapted or environment or, or like an evolutionary equilibrium. And then at the end of their life, instead of getting old and suffering from diseases of old age, we just end it in, in a, a, a relatively clean fashion and, and that's it. And we benefit the animal, the species continues on and, and thrives. Um, and I, I, I feel quite comfortable with that. Okay, so um, a couple of things. So one, I think what we can agree is that you, that we do care about the quality of life of the animal. Assuming that with the grass fed and everything, the nutrients were just identical just for argument's sake. You would rather the animal had a free life rather than um, a factory farm life. Um, I don't think the two can be separated. The like I, I get for the purposes of thought experiment, but I think creating the thought experiment in that way distorts one's ability to reason 
in reality because se separating quality of life from actual physiological health is i'm not talking about your um, as in the we're talking about the cow here i'm saying you should you know assuming you can get this because the point is my, my argument with, with veganism would be that without the cow you could live just as nutritious a life um which you may disagree with um but the point is is that you could reach that nutritious life without killing the cow or without causing the cow suffering now i think that that scenario that you mentioned is infinitely better than what the system is now um there's a couple of problems where that system is just not sustainable for everyone on planet earth um and very few individuals would one be able to afford to do that and two there wouldn't there literally just isn't the space to do that um so i mean one you can look at veganism as just a method in that way um or just increasingly going plant-based um but the question's still there if you might not like it, assuming the nutrition is the same. Um, wouldn't it be better to not cause um, the, the killing of the cow? Why is it okay to kill the cow if the cow wants to live? I don't mm. consider the because, cow will to live as particularly relevant. So. Yeah. Because see, this is the key thing. So, if if Noah wants to live, um, which I assume he does, um, and you took that away from him, actually, let's do a different one because I'm a prey animal because I only eat plants. Um, so I'm a prey animal, Nate. Um, a uh, a beta prey animal. Um, as a vegan, if I want to live. Is it unethical to take my life? Oh boy, I see. Mm. And I'm a prey animal because I don't eat. I only eat plants. I I fail to see how whether an animal is a predator or a prey animal that has any input on whether it's ethical or not to to take their life. Mm. And just because suffering exists in in nature doesn't make it ethical people are can, back, back in our ancestral can, realm people are murdered people are raped yourself, it doesn't make it ethical you can call yeah. yourself a prey animal all you want but that, that doesn't quite shake out in the same way it does for a cow um, in the case of a cow i would i would consider the cow's kind of program desire to live could be compared to the a child's program desire for sugar you know I, I don't i don't inherently consider that desire as indicative of some sort of ethical principle but you would have a lion mm -hmm. would you have a, a like a, a predator animal and say Because I, I, I just, I just honestly, don't, I, I just, maybe it's, I just need to explain it again. I don't get the, you said because it's a prey animal. If it was a predator, would it be different? Possibly for ecosystem purposes. But I would, I, 
What about for the individual animal? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, maybe not. Mm. Yeah, I'd say probably not. Um. So I, I, I think like we're really struggling on a categorical issue or on an issue of like categorical statements or of like individuals to population level things. Um, so individual to population being, how do you interpret something at the, this is more of a listener, um, where you are seeing things from the perspective of the individual unit, just the cow versus the um, individual, or versus the whole population, whole system. And I, I wanna like bring up the like bring up the question of what about like the um, ancestral traditions of native peoples of the honorable harvest you take precisely what is needed you take precisely what is needed and you sort of um you tell a story about the usually expressed in the an animistic form of the spirit of the animal you te you essentially tell a story through some sort of ritual sacrifice um, this has been a band um a ritual that um the animal's been being sacrificed essentially for your needs and this is well integrated within a particular mythology of the people. Um, we've abandoned that self-evidently. And what does framing it within us doing essentially a dishonorable harvest and having abandoned this um, have, is that a useful question? Is that a useful way of framing it? Yeah, it, it makes it way better. It's, it's way better than, um, than what we have now. Yes. Um, but it doesn't make it the preferable. Um, just because something is, is natural, just because it's part of evolution or ancestral, it, with that sacrifice, sacrificial killing, far more meaning is generated than is, is uh, we get now, which is a good thing. Um, but it doesn't mean it's preferable. Um, okay. Well, I'm thinking more of like, so the question we've been asking is, has, has been revolved around suffering and pain and the necessity of it. And um, this tradition, the Honorable Harvest is the recognition of, is a story that tells you exactly what's necessary and communicates that. Um, and so, because, and um, we, what I'm saying is we don't, have that story and the ones we've developed work at in um i guess like the the one we have that's not veganism that's just like the normal status quo abandoned something like the honorable harvest in, in an integration a long time ago integration with a mythology a long time ago and we've deviated pretty far into things that are in, in into practices that are um well un, in my view and probably in james view unethical now the then replacing it with a story of let's go to veganism. What is that, or, or veganism as an alternative or reducing me even as an alternative, what's that fighting against? Like what's it actually fighting against? Um, so what is, is it like the, the lack of incorporating that suffering into the story? Cause I don't, I just don't think people understand uh, to an extent, the whole process that goes into the shelf. They just see the, the thing on the shelf in the store and buying it. And so the absence of a story of something that's fully integrated has caused a serious problem. So I guess I'm not, I'm not arguing against 
veganism per se or arguing against and continuing things as normal it's if veganism is better what are we fighting against what is it what is being resist what is resisting a turn towards that um well i definitely agree with that um and i would much rather that world than what we have now um, but what veganism is fighting against is that unnecessary suffering in that ancestral well, world but in that ancestral world that story and that meaning came be- and because it wasn't necessary the okay. detachment from the shelf um is a symptom of modern society but part of that modern society is what is a is is providing you a choice where you can either partake in the suffering of animals or you can choose not to partake or to a lesser extent you're not going to be able to not particularly like you know with crops there's going to be mice there's going to be rabbits that are are killed and having that connectedness and being aware of it is something that you could have by eating meat and you could also have as part of veganism Uh, but what what veganism is fighting against is that unnecessary suffering. They don't want to partake in it. Um, and I understand how that can be taken to a dogmatic level. I'm not, most vegans wouldn't even agree that I'm vegan, definitionally, because of what some of the things I eat, um, which would be, um, I eat mussels, scallops, I eat bivalves, basically, um, because they don't suffer. Um, now, to me, it would be um, to not eat them for the sake that they are animal protein would be uh, illogical to the uh, to the arguments of veganism. Um, so, I think what veganism is fighting against is unnecessary suffering of sentient beings. And if you're taking it actually legitimately, you're placing that humans are a part of that as well. And I think you know we can stack rank the animals. Um, humans have a much greater capacity of suffering than other animals. And other animals have a much greater capacity of suffering than other animals. And we should strive and make our efforts to reduce the suffering of humans. Um, We should be fighting malaria. We should be fighting um, reducing war. We should be doing these things as well. Uh, And they are more important than, than... the reduction of suffering of animals um but it doesn't mean it's not preferable it doesn't mean it's not something that if you have the choice between a meal that did not contain the suffering of animals that's nutritionally the same as a meal that did that you should pick that you should pick one over the other um now nate's probably going to come back and say that we need war and I get it. I get it. I was actually just about to say that. Yes. I, no, I could tell. <laughs> um, and I get that. Um, maybe war is a bad example. Maybe just like you know, serial killers. Um, we don't. You're not going to defend serial killers, are you, Nate? And I, James, I believe you. Like when you're saying suffering, like when you're when you, I believe what you're saying. Like I can feel that that's you're you're trying to accomplish through 
through your lived lived out veganism a, a goal that is ethical a life a way of life that's better in many respects than what we have than what than the i guess the dominant pattern which is easier which is simpler and um many people many more people take i wonder if i and what what's hard for me to express though is like this idea of cultivating an appropriate concept or an appropriate relationship with the suffering that's with this with with suffering and with pain because there is a tendency to under to overstate and i'm not saying this personally to you but within the context of um people who um advocate um or not even advocate within the concept of what veganism is trying to address what suffering and pain are like the whole flow from the the suffering and pain that begins in this thing's born to the effects that are the signals that are propagated throughout the environment um as a result of this suffering or that it, it, if that makes sense like that's hard to, that's just hard to communicate nowadays it's no longer right it's, it's not obvious to be explicitly does it, does it make sense or should i kind of rephrase um yeah i think that's a question we've got to answer um mm -hmm. and my my take though is that we know the answer in, it's in the factory farming uh, and, and basically 98 99% of the food of the, the the animal products that are on people's plates we know the the answer to that question yeah and so it's but how is, is it known so i'm thinking somebody who has a concept of suffering that the the cow is killed and that's bad that's very simple and like that's that's all they're really interfacing with and then you have the concept of this animal this being grows up in a cage and never uh, in terrible health conditions is exposed continuously to um low quality food it um it never it rarely sees the outside it's constant it, it doesn't get to interact with its um with, with other members of the species in these natural ways and it's putting this tremendous amount of stress on it through its whole life and it dies a, i mean a relatively painless death but everything up to that point's been bloody awful and um we have so many better ways of doing this um, and that suffering is not really um, that that environment is a, can be changed. That's different. Like that's a concept of suffering in that. Oh, and here's how this affects various other things in your life or in the life of the whole system that we're involved in. Those are two different things, but they'll both be called suffering. And there's a range in between them. And to me, that's where. Um, like conceptually, there's there's an issue when it comes to justifying veganism on like ethical as opposed to acted out um, things that are acted out. Uh, or yeah, and I'm struggling a little bit um, here. Um, I guess if I can give like a different different example real quick, 
Um, there's this great book called From Dirt to Soil by Gabe Brown, where he's a farmer in North Dakota who farmed using what are um, called like standard practices, constant fertilizer, vaccinating cattle, trying to get maximum output, basically. And he found out that this, um, this strategy basically was inefficient in the long run. You, you, you develop bad feedback loops. You end up, if you're, um, <clears throat> you have to c continuously use more and more fertilizer um, to compensate for degraded soil. You have to use um, more and more antibiotics and vaccines and um, feed to compensate for, to get bigger cows. You end up in um, kind of metric fixation. And so he started trying to integrate the cows with the um, plants that he was growing and use it in every possible way. And the ways in which they were, what Nate has said earlier, was um, naturally programmed. He would have his, um, like, <clears throat> he would have his cows periodically graze throughout um, the pastures filled with um, wild grasses and use their fertilizer in that area to later plant crops. And um, <clears throat> for example, and that um, led to essentially better, better quality meat. It helped the soil structure um, that he would use when he was rotating crops through. And, um, and it led to him being able to um, really manage the whole property that he had better. And the cows were more resilient to um, like storms. There were more, or excuse me, storms, like to uh, the whole, let me phrase it, the whole farm was more resilient to like adverse um, ecological events, like droughts, storms, etc. I'm not really explaining this well too, too in depth, but basically um, he was able to integrate a whole system and do it profitably and effectively um, and moving and moved away from the factory farming, which is what he was essentially doing prior and away from industrial um, farming practices. Um, so to me, that's, that's kind of what veganism is aiming at. Um, it just gets carried into these, it, it's, that's what it's kind of aiming at because he's reduced the suffering. It's, I think the, um, the, the cow is, um, the cows have a good life in one bad day. Um, it's the way that he talked about it. And now that's not I mean, a complete solution. It, it's way better. And I think that's the it's point that the fact you think that's better, you sort of you agree with the general premise. Well, absolutely, the suffering is bad. I would see James. You, I think it's my turn to offer a, somewhat of a thought experiment, or not, not even thought experiment, more, more so a comparison. Would you, if if choosing between that sort of scenario, where the cow lives a very healthy, natural life on a farm. And like Noah said, has one, one bad day at the very end. Um, mm -hmm. Would, in the case that the whole world transitioned to that or something similar to that, would you still feel that a vegan paradigm is superior? Are you assuming that all of the Things are the same, uh, quality of diet, environment. Well, in terms of, all right, so even if it was just for you personally, if 
you were friends with the farmer and you knew that everything was, was gone about in a high quality and healthy fashion. And this, the animal was raised in a, in a reasonable and, and good way um, and then slaughtered it you know, at the end. Um, would you be okay engaging in a omnivorous diet as opposed to a more vegan focus? Or would you still consider that as being somehow a, an ethical negative, even if only slightly? It could be like, you know. I would put, you know, that's, it, it, I would think it would be slightly um, less. I think if you can reduce the suffering, um, that gets up a huge, big deal for me, where like pure suffering free meat um, doesn't quite convince me but gets me nearly all the way there. Um, my retort to that would be that, um, because I think what we differ is, is that I think the, the value that we place on humans, um, I basically extend that, not evenly, but just the right to life and the right to not for us to cause suffering. I extend that to sentient animals as well. Um, so if I took a baby, and I gave it a great life and I raised it. And then one day I shot it in the back of the head and had no idea what happened. Would that be slightly less unethical than uh, not shooting the baby? Because you could have the cow and you can have the field, you just don't kill them. And if you agree that that's unethical to do it to the baby, we return to the same question. And my question is, why is it not? unethical to do it to the cow because it, I think it's more unethical to do it to a baby it's more unethical to do it to a human because the capacity of yeah. suffering is greater plus um, yeah. plus R see that, that I think that's where we differ I, I see it from a more uh, biological perspective so the reason the reason that you know giving giving the cow a quick and relatively painless death at the end of its life versus killing another human. The reason it's different isn't that there's some grand overarching moral principle per se. The reason is that you're a human and that the human, but the, a human's relationship to the cow versus to another human is different. And the, evolved relationship is different that but, our our capacity to be predatory against a prey species of lower cognition that has essentially fulfilled its purpose in life versus hmm. taking a human with all this capacity and arbitrarily ending that it's it's a very different thing um, i think it's got all this capacity for for life and I, I see it as functional capacity not as I I'm not mm -hmm. going based on uh, perception of the emotion of that creature because I think in a lot of ways okay see that's a big so yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't put provides, a lot of imagine, imagine the human provides no function mm -hmm. it's purely emotional experience and capacity of fulfillment in that human's life no function to, to a wider system whatsoever. Then there's would still it, it, the, it, 
there's still the aspect to consider of um, my own psychology, right? And this, I mean, since we're hitting a whole bunch of topics of controversy, this is why my thoughts on abortion are more complex because I don't see it as purely some sort of moral dictate one way or another. I think in terms of the instincts and the psychology of someone who is carrying a child and the way that your biology kicks on certain inclinations. And if you use your rational mind to override those inclinations, it can very, be a very traumatic event, even if you can show on some sort of kind of paper argument or logical argument that there was nothing quote unquote immoral about the situation. Um, and I, I would find the same thing that it's, it's not a one to one, it's not a, a equal comparison between being a predator to a cow and being a predator to another human, even, you know, regardless of whatever experience, whatever um, circumstances, because of the psychological instinct, you know, that those built-in instincts regarding other humans versus prey animals that you hunt. Okay. I think that might be a good place mm -hmm. to wrap um, up. Um, because I think that is actually just like the key difference of where we're coming from here. Um, that functional versus ex experience and, and emotion of the being as an individual. Um, yeah. And I, I just want to say that that's, that's actually an important um, difference in terms of what types of differences emerge in arguments, especially between people in the modern world about moral, about something that would be considered a moral issue. And we're hitting on a theme that goes beyond this conversation. Um, and it's worth trying to figure out and we're seeing in our own lives and more broadly, where are we running up against a something that's phenomenological that's about an emotional relationship and something that's empirical and something that's about a um, scientific, let's say. Um, yeah, I think perspective. We're, Nate and I are probably on very different ends of that spectrum. Maybe we could do that next week as a uh, as a general. Well, and, and it's almost utilitarian. It's almost utilitarian your perspective, and I'm mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and one one additional factor that might be worth considering is the way that the modern world arrives at ideas, because mm -hmm. one of the interesting things, like Noah, you point out, the the lack of an appropriate narrative to guide our predation is, is clearly visible. And I would say that in that gap, in that hole, that things like veganism have attempted to fill the void. But at least from my perspective, veganism is something that evolves out of certain philosophical paradigms that are inherent in um, kind of Western liberalism that's what got us to this point of kind of a unrestrained predation. And so there's, there's an interesting element that we might discuss of the way that ideas and solutions evolve and whether or not there are elements of um, 
of things like veganism trying to solve a problem that was with a philosophy that created the problem in the first place and that that would be an interesting topic to explore yeah yeah i think i think as well just to add just to slate veganism for a second um that it definitely falls into that sort of christopher lash paradigm of narcissism and uh sort of a therapeutic philosophy um and i think you know what we spoke it seems like what we've spoken about here is either what people what we try and do or what we don't um or what we think would be a better idea is at least getting um to a vision that was better for the natural environment better for the natural ecosystems um and whether we want to use the word suffering or not is better for the animal and better for us um and I think if we, we spoke about what our ideal, we just laid out a map of what our ideal scenarios would be. Um, they would be very, very similar um, compared to the current norm in, in the West. Um, I just wanted to ask you guys one, one last question. Um, how long do you think you can get vegan for right now? your willpower well i'm gonna have to pull a um and it would be pretty tough for me to do more than um a month right now just because i've been newly diagnosed with um with diabetes so i'm kind of struggling with uh shifting that diet around so but i think with that's a, a solid reason and i think you know if someone does have a health issue like that your prerogative to get vegan I think it's less than mine. Um, but assuming you don't have it, I just would just have interest. I only ask because um, when I went vegan, um, I only planned to do it uh, for a week. Um, I didn't think I'd be able to do it more than a week. Um, I literally had never even been vegetarian a day for like one day of my life before I went vegan. Um, and I'm just interested to see how long you think you guys could do it. Because a week turned into five years for me. Um, and it's still, like, you know, still still nearly fail every day, still hate it every day, <laughs> still still yearn for the uh, the flesh of an animal. Um, Neji, how long do you think you could do it? Do you think you, you could just, you think you have it in you? To it would be, it would be challenging uh, just because... Even philosophical disagreements aside, I I think I would have trouble with something like veganism because my my philosophy runs counter to that way of decision making. Um, but all all that aside, pragmatically speaking, um, I do seem to have a very positive physiological response to meat and specifically beef. Um, uh, and the higher the quality, the better. But um, yeah, it's it, it would be very difficult, even from a, a cognitive standpoint, uh, like for cognitive health to, to live without that, because I am somewhat dependent on um, on things like fish oil as an omega three supplement, 
helps maintain healthy cognition. And in, in my case, um, I'm dealing with a certain amount of um, Asperger's and kind of being on the spectrum. So um, certain, certain supplements and nutritional routes are, are the way that I maintain um, better cognitive function. At, at least so far, fine. It's vegan. <laughs> to answer your question, James, as well, I, I could do a month. Um, that's probably the limit okay. of what I would do. To, um, and, and it would be kind of treated experimentally. And, and, and then reevaluate. Yeah, the, the thing I would offer maybe as a, not really a counter, but just as, as my like preferred strategy, even from the, the concepts that I've been putting forward, would be something along the lines of learning to perceive diet and nutrition and our interaction with the ecosystems from like a holistic loving perspective of not the denial of self, but not the elevation of self. I have kind of a, a something of an epistemic humility, but also an element of nutritional humility. So, you know, now that we've had this discussion going forward, I might shift my purchasing of, um, of animal products, you know, just in, I might weight my, weight the, um, the better produced, better quality produced um, products differently, just now that we've, we've had this conversation. And I, I think perceive, learning to perceive your own desires and your own kind of hunger, purchase impulses, all that from a perspective of holistic thinking and kind of not judgment, not self-judgmental holistic thinking, but just attempting to do better at perceiving the world um, so as to make it more meaningful. I think that that um, seems like a good paradigm. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yes. Can you hear you, John? Okay, great. My, my answer to the question would be uh, if I had like, if money wasn't an issue, if I had like, uh, if I had like, um, like art collector money, I would, um, I, I, I could do it indefinitely. I have no doubt. I have no doubt that if I could buy whatever like luxury vegan foods that I wanted, that I could, I could absolutely make it work and like, you know, be a size two and just, yeah, I think, I, I think, I think, I'd, I think I could do it. I think, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that it, annoyingly, I mean, it's like with any diet, like, I mean, you can, you can eat uh, cheap on a vegan diet, like rice and beans really aren't expensive. Um, and you can still eat pretty healthy, um, really cheaply as well. The problem is, is that all of the, a lot of the good vegan food, like a lot of the good uh, products are pretty fucking expensive. Um, So yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a struggle. I will say that ahead of this podcast, I actually did really push the boat out on stretching my ethics in a way I've never done before with, with the veganism since being vegan. Um, I was at my uh, my girlfriend's and they had they made these huge um, tomahawk steaks on the barbecue. 
while I had my uh, shitty little vegan burger. And um, the bones were going to go in the bin. Um, and instead of putting, like, just throwing the bones away, um, the next day I, uh, I made a broth out of the bones. And I was like, this is, you know, non-dogmatic. This is like, they were literally going to go in the bin. Wouldn't it be better to make use of them? Um, instead of using like a little stock packet, I'd have like uh, beef stock made of the bones and the bone marrow. Um, so I, I'd convinced myself like, oh, you know, I can, I can live with this. I can sleep at night by doing this. Mm. And I, um, I made it, I, I spent 14 hours making it, obviously not over the, the stove the whole time, but really like did it overnight and all, all stuff. And I was like, oh, it, it's, it smelled incredible. And I was like, this bone broth, I'm just going to, like Alex Jones, I'm going to just drink this bone broth. And it's going to be the first meat I've had in five years. And it's going to just blow my mind about how amazing it's going to be. Okay, and, James, um, no, don't do it. Don't do it unless well, you add a little bit of... As if... Unless you add a little bit of sea salt, unless you add a little bit of sea salt and like some rosemary, then it's okay. Oh, no. There was there was rosemary sage like a bouquet garni in in the in the in the stock obviously, um, however, um, right before I was uh, gonna have it, uh, my girlfriend's cleaner poured it down the sink because she thought it was uh, it was uh, from yesterday or something, um, so I never got to drink it. That's a bloody travesty. I know it was. Did you time break up with her? No, just fine. No, I'm AJ. She's a lovely lady. Wow, but, um, beef broth down the sink. 17-hour beef beef broth down the sink. Yeah. No, no, no. Five years in the making uh, beef broth, actually. Um, but it, we'll take that as a, as, a, as a sign. Either way, maybe I should have had it, maybe I shouldn't. But guys, I need to go to sleep. Um, because I've got work in like six hours, so. Um, good talk, right. y'all. Are we good I to wrap up? Good, yeah, I think that's a good place to end up. So, till next till next time, we will uh, we will discuss the uh, the next topic. <laughs>